0: Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the football grump. With me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan, and we are happy to join you on this Monday afternoon while I'm still at work, so I am still drinking
1: coffee. Uh, (laughs) uh, I am about to head out for my big Thanksgiving trip to Boise, Idaho. So, uh, funny thing happened on the way to the number one draft pick, Grump. We actually won a game. How
0: about that? That's correct. And, and, you know, this was one of the two games I saw left on the schedule as being possible victories that didn't involve a team resting their entire starters. And even if they did, I still think that's probably a loss anyway. But um, this one did not come without without some struggles. I mean, like, I didn't think we were going to win this game until the second half. I don't know about you.
1: I... You know, something I actually had the feeling that we were going to win this game. Once this game started going, I thought this Washington team last week, I had said I started to see a couple signs that the Giants might be quitting a little bit, especially in that second half against Dallas. What I saw yesterday was a team that is completely quit on their coaches. Uh, you know, and we want to talk about Ron Rivera in a little bit, but uh, that looked like a team that, you know. When you lose to a team like the Giants twice in the season and be as listless as they were and just, you know, just looking to start fights and just come out the way they did, completely no-show, that's a team that's quit. And I don't believe we are going to see Ron Rivera as the head coach for this team very longer. In fact, I would not be surprised by the time this episode comes out that he's the former coach of the Washington Commanders.
0: That would be pretty wild. Um, before, well, before, well, um, hey, and, and, and you're not you're not totally wrong. Relax. I was gonna
1: say he, he actually. You look at his career; he's only had three winning seasons in his career. He's and not I, that good of a coach. He's got a name. He has a, a fancy nickname, but is he actually
0: a good coach? Well, so here's when I what I saw on Sunday was it looked to me like the Giants were the worst. Team that was coached by better coaches, which is remarkable when you consider that Ron Rivera, um, you know, went to a Super Bowl with a fifteen and one team, uh, and that Jack Del Rio is the defensive coordinator. I mean, that's it's two head coaches on your team. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and 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 frankly, offensively, they moved the ball better than we did. They moved the ball like an actual offense. What they the the only thing that really doomed them was just unstoppable turnovers, and they were yeah. mostly stupid. And to me, like when I look at that, like that to that looked like a poorly coached team. There were some bad decisions yeah. from Sam Howell, and uh, you know, granted, Sam Howell was playing like a rookie quarterback tends to look. And I'm not going to compare Sam Howell and Tommy DeVito. Sam Howell looked better because Sam Howell was running an offense. Tommy DeVito was running. It, when I looked at the Giants offense, what I saw was an offensive line that was so absolutely terrible and a quarterback that was so bad that 85% of the plays didn't work. And what we had was the coaches scheming things as best they could so that the 15% that actually worked netted enough to do the right thing. I, I, they I were added that, entirely uh, by the, the defense.
1: I think that's a... Very, very, very important point. And I was thinking kind of the same thing, but you know what the headline is going to be after the game. It's look, it's like, look at Tommy DeVito's numbers. Look that he has more touchdowns than X or Y. I mean, it was, you know, more often than not, you saw an offensive line that couldn't stop anything, you know, just gangbusters through. And after this, this is a team that got rid of their two best, you know, pass rushers, they traded them away. And, how often did you see guys in the backfield immediately, and you see a quarterback that still has no idea what to do back there once there's pressure? And you know, this this was not once or twice. There could have been 15 sacks in that game, if possible. But I, I think this is all attributed to coaching and making adjustments. You know, Saquon Barkley was a complete non-factor until they decided a way to scheme him in, into into successful plays and things. So. This was a you know a superstar of this coaching staff for taking chicken salad at chicken shit.
0: Yeah, it's it's really cool that they listened to the show last week because yeah, I I, I wouldn't say that Saquon Barkley was a complete non-factor in the game until they figured out ways to. I would say he was a complete non-factor in the running game. Um, for most of this game, until they figured out ways to make that work, which was the second half, which sounds like the thing that I was complaining about, but there were other adjustments that they were making on a drive by drive basis. They were making adjustments that were very clear and obvious throughout the game to get something going because it started off bad and it got worse. You had an offensive line that couldn't block, and then you had a quarterback that couldn't navigate the pocket or keep his eyes upfield. Uh, and so he was the cause for half the sacks. Everybody was pretty much to blame from the offensive line and behind. There were some plays where Saquon Barkley did some shitty run running back blocks that didn't help anybody. Ultimately, what I ended up seeing, though, was when Tommy DeVito is able to keep his eyes up, he is functional. Which, I am not trying to throw praise at him. That's the kind of thing that you would see from just about everybody that's his... Level. Like, it's not that he doesn't belong with NFL players. It's that he needs to develop for a couple of years first or else he's going to look like shit. You know what he looked like? Shit. He looks like shit, but he's not completely incapable of playing quarterback.
1: You, you would not be in an NFL training camp. You would not be, you know, if you right. can't complete a pass basically to air. Right and when he has when he's basically throwing to air and he has time to just stand there and look in the pocket he could I mean that's that is the bare minimum right. lowest bar possible.
0: Well, but but what you have is a and and again this is not making excuses but if you're wondering why. Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy, who's essentially an undrafted free agent, is able to function so much better than Tommy DeVito, who is an undrafted free agent, there's a couple of factors. Number one, San Francisco is a very good team. A good team will cover up lots of deficiencies at the quarterback position. That's obvious. Number two is the things that Tommy DeVito is bad at, which is navigating pressure, is also the things that this offense is bad at avoiding like keeping pressure away from the quarterback so I mean you have compounded the thing that he is worse at to make him look even worse he didn't look good in this game but he looked functional the coaches were able to get him in situations where he could be functional and what we saw when you have a functional quarterback against a team that can't seem to keep the ball in their own hands uh you can score touchdowns So, no, Tommy DeVito is not better than Daniel Jones and Tommy DeVito is not better than Tyrod Taylor. These things are not true. But what we finally had, I felt, was a coaching staff that made adjustments on offense in the midst of the game. They weren't waiting to see after a half of football, oh, okay, I guess our game plan isn't working. Time to switch things up.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. And and also a, a coaching staff and a team that hasn't quit. I mean, after what we saw last week in Dallas. one hundred. I, I should
0: have mentioned that. You're right.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is the team that, you know, for all intents and purposes, the season was over last week for sure, and it's just seven weeks to go. And did they, you know, fold up the tent? No. They played with intensity. They played, you know, they played to win. We, we, Your mantra on this show forever has been that, you know, coaches and players don't tank. Organizations want to tank. And you saw a team that's not ready to give up. They're, they're not looking at their golf plans in January. They're not thinking about how this team will be better in the draft next year. They're like, there's a division rival, a team they obviously don't like, as you saw all the shenanigans, you know, on the on the sidelines after games and stuff. You know, this is a team they hate and they want to win. Division rival, and they went out and they did it.
0: One but thing that, credit
1: credit to the coaches for that.
0: Absolutely, and and the flip side is, you know, you had a team that. Caused six turnovers and nearly seven, nearly eight. I mean, there was another fumble that they were able to recover themselves, and there was a turnover on downs that was negated by an offsides call or a lined up in the neutral zone call. Um, so they they had actually almost turned up the ball eight times. That's that's poor coaching. I, I know they have a rookie quarterback, but I mean, three of those were fumbles. A fourth was a possible fumble. You know, a turnover on downs would have been. You know, it, it just looked like poor coaching all across the board. I'm not going to give ron rivera any shit for the fight that broke out because and i know we're flipping to the defensive side of the ball but in my opinion all right well i want That's your th- leg yeah well before we get into the play itself, i have this theory i want to know yours the referees were kind of swallowing the whistle for most of this game because they wanted it to end quickly we didn't see any holding calls none yeah. Yeah. maybe um, there were just very few flags in general in this game there might have been more flags thrown during the fight, than the rest of the game combined.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was interesting because I was watching the late game, the um, the CBS late game with um, uh, Romo and Nance, and Nance was audibly complaining. Oh, how yeah. long the game was taking. He I was took like, note. He was like, "I don't know." The refs once again are stopping this game. We are now a half hour behind the other game, so they were audibly aggravate how long that was taking to the refs this game was almost like an autopilot like okay we know this is a one o'clock game that no one really cares about There's these two you know teams and these two fan bases let's just play almost with a running clock and, so
0: the, and even the broadcast i mean there were advertisements for other things on fox and other things around the nfl right up until the snap during this game that's the kind of thing that does not happen during a premiere yeah. game yeah um that, that said, so the officials were kind of letting this game move, and, and they weren't going to call anything ticky-tack, not a lot of defensive, illegal contact, holding, whatever. In that particular play, you had a very, very, very close play that... I mean, from my perspective, I didn't hear a whistle. I didn't see a signal for a touchdown. It was really close. And then you had players continuing to play through the actual whistle. Which you're supposed to do. There are hundreds of times, and I know that you'll back me up on this. There are hundreds of times where you hear a whistle, and then you hear all five whistles going repeatedly. And everyone's shutting down the play, making sure every single of the— the 22 players on the field have stopped moving. No one's going to hit anybody. The play is over. Everyone stopped. We hear that all the time. And it's usually at the start of a play. And that moment when it should have happened, I didn't hear a single whistle. And you know what happened after that? Players played to the whistle. A quarter got back got thrown to the ground. And then an entire fight broke out. That could have been a lot worse. There could have been players that got very, very hurt during the fight. Eventually, two players ended up getting ejected. And it was, from a player perspective, entirely understandable in my position. I don't know. what, what did you. I know we were texting about that throughout the game, but that's kind of how I felt.
1: Well, again, the, the, the actual play itself, like he kind of – the way he was going like into the end zone, like he just barely crossed the plane. But then he went like horizontal to it again. So it wasn't like one of those kept going go forward, 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 okay, back a little bit. It was like forward, but no back around out this way. So it, it looked, and, and the perception was the play was still happening. I mean, he obviously didn't think he was in because he was still running it out and playing it. So just forget the audible piece of it, just the, the visual of it if you're on the field that it looked like a play was still happening. And also, does the side judge have the whistles? Like, Do, do you ever notice when a guy does this, that it's a touchdown and he's blowing the whistle immediately to stop the play? Or is, it, is that blown by someone else? So,
0: I would think know, that everyone has a whistle.
1: I don't know. I've never noticed.
0: I, I, never, I never really took note, but I would think that every official should have a whistle. But I mean, either way, like those are instances. If the other officials saw the signal go up for the touchdown, they should be blowing their whistle. Everyone should be yeah, blowing their whistle. It I happens agree. all the time. And, I, and like more and more lately over the years, it feels like officials are scared to make a controversial call on the field because of the review processes in place. And I'm not trying to make this a bigger discussion. I'm just – I'm just—I think the fight happened because players were being players, and I'm not going to get mad at any of them for it. That's kind of just no, where no, I'm going with it. No,
1: no. I mean, I completely—yeah, I mean, if you, if I see my quarterback get thrown to the ground for something, I'm going to go defend him. Whether it was before or after a whistle, I'm going after him. So I have no problem with anything that happened. That's football. It happens all the time. It's happened for 80 years, and that's fine.
0: Yeah, and I, I don't think that the game spiraled in that direction either. I mean, unless I'm forgetting some other issues with— I know that there was a was there a personal foul at the very 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 end of the game. No, that was a Dallas game, right? The Dallas game. Yeah. So, um, defensively, um, I felt that the defense played well, but I would not categorize their play as dominant. I I think if you look at the at the at the score, I think if you look at the turnovers. I think you're tempted to say that they played dominant, but a lot of the... I mean, like, I don't want to take away from the fumbles. The fumbles were a lot of Bobby Okereke punching the ball out, some real smash hits from Micah McFadden, and stuff like that. But all of the interceptions were... There were two arm punts in there that were just terrible decisions. And then the third one was he kind of got hit and shouldn't have been throwing that anyway, but also the game was pretty much over and it was fourth down.
1: I think this defense this year has played about as well as the offense they played against. You know, they play really well against a team like the Jets that basically none. They played pretty decently today. They look terrible against a good defense like Dallas. I think this was kind of like that sliding scale. I think this was kind of fitting right, right within what that sliding scale is what this defense does. Uh, you know, Sam Howell, I don't, you know, they lead off with it. He's leading the league in, in, in completions and attempts and, yeah, but I would not at all call this a prolific passing offense by any stretch. I mean, I think it's a team that just kind of throws a lot, and not even that you know aggressive in in, in their in their play calling for 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 throwing the ball. So
0: well, it's the enemy's was- offense, right? So you have to think that there's some level of the Andy Reid Kansas City Chiefs offense in there, which is very pass heavy. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, um, I just don't. I don't. I. I think there's a feeling out here of Sam Howell. I think Sam Howell's like the, well, he's our quarterback now, but I'm not exactly sure I want to commit to the next seven years of Sam Howell. Yeah. I think this is kind of a extended tryout for him. I would not be surprised if, you know, there's a, um, you know, a trade to be made for a quarterback next year or them even, they could be, even be a team that could potentially move up in the draft. I mean, you have a new owner. It's got a lot, a lot of money and uh, they want to rebrand this franchise. They want to, you know, start over, and the best way to start over is with a, a flashy, shiny new quarterback. So just because Sam Howell's a rookie or a second-year guy and he's starting out, does not mean, you know, it's set in stone for the next seven, to eight years. He's the quarterback.
0: Yeah, and as much as I want to stick with talking about the defense, there's more things I want to say. But I think we've yeah. we've made the right transition towards Washington and Ron Rivera going forward. I, I think we've already said. I know I feel this way. I think Ron Rivera's done at the end of the year. It always felt like he was a coaching hire that was supposed to help market the team as a sellable product. Um, he was brought in during the name change transition, uh, during the Daniel Snyder... Tra- I mean, it always felt like this was like you were selling a house, right? So y- you put in a brand new hot water heater to sell the they house stage it, or whatever. stage
1: it to make it look nice.
0: Yeah, yeah. exactly. And that that's sort of that the commander's rebrand is putting siding on the house that, you know, if you oh, you don't like the siding? That's okay. We'll get a different color. We'll get some you don't, Yeah, you don't
1: like the green I put in the living room? You can always make it blue
0: later. Exactly. And Ron Revere, to me, is like a, a hot water heater or something like that. You're just gonna... You're gonna replace. Um, and so he went in there and I think that his time is just done. Like, like you said, I don't think his track record of a coach is being that great. Um, I think he's probably very good at keeping a locker room, like organized, you know, know, like we didn't see a lot of fighting or anything like that in that game. And the the one fight that happened, I think, is not his fault. Um, I just think that his time was always going to be done as soon as Daniel Snyder's time was done and the product was sold. And the product sold. The season's going to end. You know, you have a defensive head coach and then a really talented defensive coordinator and you still gave up Twenty-four points to the Tommy DeVito-led Giants offense. <laughs> That's pretty pathetic. That's you really him, bad. You,
1: you gave him a lot of extra uh, possessions. We get that, but still, yeah, this is Tommy DeVito. This is this offensive line. This is does not have Danny Waller. This does not have really anything to say, offense capable offense at all.
0: Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, I, I think Ron Rivera – I guess there was a chance that Ron Rivera could have been fired before the end of the season. But like I said, I, I don't think that the – I think he will probably last to the end of the season and this, I don't know what one, happens then.
1: This is one of those games where you, it's it's a public humiliation more than it probably really needs to be. But if you lose to this Giants team twice and you lose to this Giants team with this quarterback where he's the – he's kind of the butt of jokes around the league. I mean, the people are kind of, Oh, a Jersey kid. they're kind of rooting for him, but they're really like behind his back. They're like, this is Tommy DeVito for Christ's sakes. You lose that game at home. I don't, I I, I don't know how you recover from that. I don't know how you recover the locker room from something. Like that. I don't know how you recover any confidence from your, your owner from that. I am mean, sure that the Washington media is crucifying him today. And, Rightfully so. There is no business losing this game. None. You know, they, 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 you play poorly. There's turnovers happen, and you know, I think we have a little bit of different opinions on the importance of turnovers. How I think they're a little more random, you know, than, than you might. But still, they happened. But still, you're playing Tommy DeVito and this offensive line. You, I don't think there's any excuse. And to me, this is kind of like one of those that's. That sets off the chain reaction for things to change. And again, I would not at all be surprised by the time you're listening to this podcast that he's the former head coach.
0: It could be possible. I do think that it's going to last to the end of the season. I think it's going to be part of a sweeping rebrand thing. And I think it's going to build hype for the next season for Commanders fans, whether they're still called the Commanders or not. Uh, but I think it's going to be part of an off-season of rolling changes. And I do think that, um, I think that it's time... That Giants fans get used to not sweeping Washington every year it's we are entering I'm, I'm being serious like we've been I have joked that for two decades the New England Patriots had a cakewalk division and that's half of Tom Brady's like I mean there, there were years where they didn't look very good then got hot in the playoffs and went to the Super Bowl and you know Half the reason they even made it to the playoffs is because they got six free wins against the Jets, Dolphins, and Bills for many years. We have benefited from Daniel Snyder being the worst owner in sports. Mm-hmm. That that I think that's going to change when Josh Harris really gets his his uh, claws sunk into the organization.
1: They're a sleeping giant. I mean, they they honestly are. They're in a very they're in a a. a a big Northeastern city that cares very passionately. They've been there the longest of any of their pro teams. You know, they, they now play in a stadium that's, you know, for the last 20 years, it's out of the city limits. It's out in in Maryland. Now they've had a owner come in and the, the, the organization, not just the team itself has been rotted to the core and there's just apathy. I mean, when they built FedEx, it was the largest NFL stadium in the league. And they've slowly over time been reducing the capacity because there's lack of demand for those seats. I mean, but it's one of those where, you know, if a commitment is shown to excellence, a commitment is shown to invest in this team, they will once again be right up there with the the Eagle fan and the Giant fan and the Jet fan and the Patriot fan and the and the the Steeler fan as far as passion and dedication to their team. And it's just, you know, you always say like, oh, Daniel T. Snyder, you want guys like that in place. Like I want Jerry Jones to stay in Dallas forever. I want him to live to he's 120. I want him to be the general manager because as soon as he dies, I don't know the unknown is and the unknown will probably be better. And, you know, I, I get it. I know Yankee fans are saying, yeah, well, let's see what happens when George Steinbrenner leaves and this is what you got. But I don't know. Uh Washington's always been a team that I just felt like is a sleeping giant and now there's their opportunity to make things right with that organization
0: and uh yeah I totally agree I have nothing to add because you surmised it pretty well actually (laughs) um but but to to flip back to the defense Kayvon Thibodeau reached his uh, 10 sack he's the first defensive end to reach double digit sacks in a Wink Martindale scheme and, and not not for nothing, Charles Leno is not the worst tackle that he's played against this year. Charles Leno is not a good starting left tackle, but he is not – he's not Eric Flowers.
1: He was dominant. He was uh, – I think I texted you a couple times. It's like – He's that guy. Like he's that guy. I mean, he's that – I mean, really, I mean – I think there's been more attention put on him since all the nonsense with the fan a couple of weeks ago, but he is just a, in a game where you need a disruptor, you know, and in, in, in a, a defense that is set up to disrupt young quarterbacks, he is playing that part perfectly right now. And he's, he's in the backfield almost every play he's causing chaos. He's causing confusion. He's exactly what we hope for. I mean, again, This is only the middle of his second season, everybody. You know, I'm not even – I don't want to get into the whole bus thing. That's that's absurdity. But I think we try to assume that these guys, when they get into the league, are already going to be at their peak performance in five, six years. You know, again, he's played about 16 games now probably considering injuries and stuff. Look where he is now from where he is when he first started. The guy's a star. And he's going to keep progressing to be a star, I think, too. I think, uh, you know, it worked out, definitely getting him. And I think we got everything that we were hoping for.
0: There's a couple things here. I mean, for starters, he's playing in a division where four games a year, he's just not going to be very stat heavy against Dallas and Philadelphia for a while. They're just very good offensive lines. They're very good teams. There's not going to be in situations playing either of those teams where Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be able to unilaterally pin his ears back and just rush the passer. So, I mean, like, that's part of it. I mean, it's, it's an important part because, I mean, there's other guys that come into the league and they're placed in a division where they're able to pad stats, they hit their second contract, and they go to a different division, a different team, and all of a sudden it's like this big surprise that they're not that effective. I mean, it's just... I mean, there, there is more to football than stats.
1: I was going to say, you know, stats are great and all, but, you know, something – if you can get into the backfield and you can get the quarterback off his mark, off his timing, that's to me is just as good as a sack because, you know
0: – It's a, arguably better.
1: Sure, yeah, because that's probably more consistent and probably happens more than an actual, you know, recorded sack. Let me write that down. There's a sack. No, but if you're getting in the backfield every time and you – and then if not only if you're getting in the backfield every time – the thought you're gonna be in the backfield every time also changes your internal clock too. So he's he's building on that and building on that. So it's great to see.
0: Yeah. And I don't I wanna I don't wanna shuck all the turnovers, even though they were mostly bad decisions, but like here here's the thing about that. All three interceptions, while they were bad throws, bad decisions, were all intercepted by very, very, very backup players. Nick McLeod had the first interception. That is a special teamer playing corner because we need to. Darnay Holmes had the second one. I'd like to see him go up and get the ball rather than just jump up in the air and let it come to him. He almost didn't catch that. But Darnay Holmes is pretty much off this team at the end of the year. He's not a scheme fit for Wink Martindale. And the last one was Isaiah Simmons, who was traded for the very beginning of the season out of necessity uh, and has kind of just been a non-factor.
1: kind of forgot about him, actually.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, all three of those, those were backup players stepping up to the challenge and making impact plays when they were in position to make them. Jason Pinnock dropped an interception. That was a ninth turnover that almost happened. I forgot about that one. (laughs) Yeah. Um and well, then that's... you know all the all the fumbles they there was only one that the Giants didn't recover. So the defense capitalized on the turnovers that they were able to produce whether that was more the fault of bad decision making on Washington's side or quitting or whatever or more of the fault of the defense okay. generating the turnovers. Happens, either way, yeah. either way they were there in the position to Two I mean like how often do you do you just say we had a game where the ball just didn't bounce our way? We caused six turnovers and we couldn't recover any of the fumbles I mean this was a game where they complete one hundred percent you know completion
1: yeah i mean fumbles how you cause a fumble is not necessarily random. The result of a fumble is usually pretty random. It's just the way the way a ball bounces, literally the way a ball bounces, and how you will get it as opposed to how he will get it or something. And we just had one of those days where it worked out, and that all that all just leads to a star to wink Martindale. I think you know. I think all of these coaches are feeling the heat. You know, never mind. You know how the job security of anybody in this organization, right or or wrong. The, the narrative has been, you know, let's line up these coaches and see who deserves to still be here and who's going to be here next year and, and not next year. And then the whole stuff with Wink and the, the extended conversations before and after the half against Dallas and blah, 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 blah. And it was, it was, I think these coaches, you know, him and Kafka had something to show a little bit extra. They may not admit it, but I think they were, they weren't coaching for their jobs, but I think coaching to defend themselves a little bit. I think both guys did a good job of making statements of this is why I'm here and this is why I deserve to be here.
0: Yeah, as much as I want to say the defense was not as dominant as the stats looked, I think it was important that they had a game that they were that much in control, that they, they, they caused the havoc that they did. After the week that they had beforehand, where you've got people complaining, people aren't listening. You've got a defensive coach that won't stop talking about it and the press. Uh, I think it was important that they came out there and had a very strong defensive showing against a rookie quarterback. I mean, it would have been bad if it looked anything remotely resembling what happened against Dallas. Which look, guys, you know
1: we we are a bad football team, and I we're not good enough to us to say like good defensive performance, not dominating, but oh well. Look. They did what they had to do. They gave up less points than a Tommy DeVito offense scored. That to me is a success. And then you just kind of move on to next week. I mean, if we're going to start, if anybody wants to complain about, well, this and that, that, he's like, you know, go fuck yourself. You know, we have to take little victories where we can in a season like this. And after what happened last week where they gave up, you know, 1,900 yards against Dallas, and I thought they were kind of quitting. To come back and do what they did this week to me is a win and a star for everybody. Now, next week could be a turd again against New England. But for right now, you did your jobs. Good job.
0: I'm going to agree. So, you know, there are injuries. It was the middle of a rebuild. This wasn't the final product that we were hoping for anyway. But the players that are playing are not what we anticipated a 2023 Giants team to look like. So it was more important to me that they looked like they hadn't quit, that the coaches were still in control. It's more important to me that the coaches that are in place were the right decision than it is the current playing active roster because I know that that's not the actual roster, and I know that it's still a roster that's being rebuilt.
1: It's very, very, very important because we need to parse out as we're going through this rebuild What really needs to be rebuilt and what is the byproduct of an unfortunate situation? And if you – the perception is that coaching is involved in this malaise the rest of this year, it's more decisions that have to be made and more potential bad decisions that have to be made. If, you know, we see more performances like this from the coaching staff the rest of the way and they just flat out lose because A, they have Tommy DeVito. B, there's more injuries. C, we just don't have enough talent. I mean, we still have to play. We have to play Philly twice more. Uh, We have to, we have a tough, you know, there's a very good chance we could probably lose, you know, other than possibly the New England game, every other game the rest of the way. But I want to be as clear as possible. This is what I need to focus on in the offseason. We need to focus on, You know, what are we going to do with this first pick? What are we going to do with this offensive line? What are we going to do, you know, uh, linebacker and safety and and decisions? I don't want to think about, well, let's start from the top. Do I need to reassess who my head coach is or my offensive coordinator? Let's get past that and just – that's why yesterday was really important because for – at least temporarily, that is not part of the laundry list of things we have to reassess going into – as we continue to rebuild.
0: And I think that's kind of going to be the discussion that we're going to be having week after week going forward, is kind of identifying on offense and defense the things, the most important things. I mean, I think at every single level, either a starter or a depth piece is needed on offense and on defense. It's going to be going forward throughout the last couple weeks here of the season, uh, identifying which of these needs is most important and how they can be addressed is going to be our off-season conversation but identifying your biggest areas of weakness are going to be the the things that we're focusing on going forward with consideration that the people playing are not really you know considering who's on ir right now while we're doing it so that's going to be kind of our job going forward um and what we're going to be talking about during these uh I, I guess going forward, probably more so on the game review episodes than the game previews, I would yeah, think. I, unless I, unless something happens in the week of practice or something like that. But that's going to wrap up our review I, of I, this game unless you've just, got one more thing, huh?
1: Yeah, the one thing I would say is don't get wrapped up just yet in the weekly jockeying for position for tanking. I mean, because now we went from, you know, we have the second pick in the draft to now we have the fifth pick and people are freaking out. Let the season play out. I mean, look at the teams that are around us also. None of these teams, you know, a lot's gonna happen between now and then. So don't don't pull your hair out in a game in mid-November, you know, that oh no, we're gonna beat Washington. That's gonna screw up our future for the next 15 years. Don't worry about that just yet. If we get to week 17 or 18 and we have a legitimate chance to be the second pick or the third pick, then really start thinking about it. But right now I think there's gonna be way too much worrying about things that are really a lot of it's out of our control. There's five teams, six teams are looking to be one of the first couple picks. They're all going to do their thing, but don't make yourself crazy worrying about that. It's my little piece of advice.
0: Yeah, I I have to agree. And it's, it's important to remember that it's very early in the year. It's still middle of November. Um, Jordan Travis just got hurt for Florida state and, That is an injury that happened that completely changes the next month. So to think that you know – I mean like Caleb Williams could break his neck. Drake May could throw out his shoulder. We don't – there's so much that can happen that it is not worth losing your mind on the week-to-week in mid-November. Just like you said, we get to January – that's open for discussion. The college season is over. Not too much is changing. But the one other caveat is stop thinking you know everything. Even even in January when you're jockeying for position, it was not that long ago that 50% of Giants Twitter was upset that they beat the Washington, I guess, football club at that time. And uh, we're no longer in the running to get Chase Young. Flash forward four years, Chase Young is no longer on Washington, and the Giants are very happy that they took Andrew Thomas the fourth. They gave him a second contract. His injury is the entire reason that this season has gone completely off the rails. So it's way, way, way too early. We don't know anything about the draft picks. They may not even be healthy. They may not declare for the draft still. There's so much time.
1: We also don't know what our front office is thinking. Because everything you're doing is projecting what you would do if you're the GM. So, you know, the one variable is what is available to us. The other variable is what do we want to do with those variables? Um, one other thing about Caleb Williams, by the way, his season is over. Like they don't play this weekend, and I would bet i I would bet Grump's house that he's not playing in a bowl game. so fortunately for him, he does not have to worry about playing any more meaningless games to jeopardize his future. So let's
0: throw that out there. All that stuff's really interesting too, because he's not playing an extra game, and he's been in some eyes disappointing, and Drake May is going to have another game and so is J.J. McCarthy, and so is Bo Nix, and so is Jader Sanders. I mean, like, there are—so much can change. Like I said, if Jordan Travis didn't get injured this weekend, that that changes everything that we would be discussing today as well. So, I mean, there's just so much that can still happen. So don't, don't, don't get too world wrapped change, up in the, the winning losing. The world changes.
1: Losing. I mean, my world Saturday night went from, for four months, there's no way Florida's being in Florida State, to, oh— now we're going to be Florida State. To my quarterback going down, breaking his collarbone. To oh, we're not going to beat them again. Your life can change on a dime, whether it's football or in life itself. So don't, don't
0: count your don't chickens, man. <laughs>
1: don't, don't go on a hill. Don't die on your hill. Allow variables to do that. You'll first of all, you'll be a happier person. You won't be fighting with the universe, and you know you might be right at the end. So that's Zen Cranky fan with his you know flowing moment of the day
0: just kind of take it week by week and don't get too wrapped up in anything there's plenty of time for the draft and plenty of time for me to 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 get you worked up over the things to get worked (laughs) up over um That's going to do it for us. I don't think that there's going to be a preview episode for the New England Patriots. But if there is going to be one, you will find out by following (laughs) at JustGiantsPod on Twitter or following at Football underscore Grump or following at TheCrankyFan on Twitter. Or if you'd like, you could just subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or YouTube. And those episodes will just be in your right in you in your feed ready for you to listen and uh if you've clicked the little bell on youtube you'll even get a notification for it so be wow. sure to do that be sure to tell friends about the just giants podcast and we will see you all next time if not later this week for a preview episode then definitely next tuesday for a review episode
1: and for you people who will be at the game on sunday we will try to i have a very early flight from gainesville hopefully after a win but we might try to stop by for a couple of minutes to L16 to say hi to everybody because it is Thanksgiving. I know Bobby Skinner from Talking Giants will be in town, so that's always.
0: Uh, enjoy. Uh, also, Big Blue UK and Ireland will be there, and they are hosting an event Saturday night as well. I should have had that information up, um, but I'm gonna tweet it. I'm gonna I'm retweet it. I will, be, it I will be there. It.
1: I will be there in spirit. I will be in Gainesville Saturday to hopefully Florida beats florida state there's nothing more important than a young man's life than of gator beating a Knoll. so hopefully we do that and i will be in a better mood on sunday if not i will be extremely pissed
0: (laughs) and uh um i think i think that's it
1: time to go back to work all
0: right all right everyone you know the cue till next time go go giants